Hey guys, welcome back to Menace to Med. I'm your host Cece and Brenda's with me too. This is part two of our interview with nephrologist Dr. Randall. So if you haven't seen the first one, be sure to check it out beforehand. Hope you guys enjoy. So our final segment is the Got Me in the Ward segment, where we ask pressing questions about life as a renal doctor. Cece, take it away. Okay. So were there any jobs that you did when you were younger that prepared you for your role as a doctor? Any jobs I did when I was younger? Yeah. Actually, yeah. Well, I never did any jobs actually. I just went to school and then I was. <laughs> uh, I, I I think I shifted boxes on a few occasions, which ah, okay. uh, I can't really say it was very helpful. So, um, I guess I guess yeah. So my experience of work was of starting off, but I did one thing I I think has been really helpful is I've I've been able a couple of times when I was at medical school uh, a couple of times when I was at medical school and once since I've been able to travel to um to parts of the developing world yeah so I traveled to Botswana in Africa and I've traveled oh, to Madagascar so cool. yeah. worked in a hospital there I want to do that and I've traveled <laughs> to Pakistan I've worked yeah. in a hospital there yeah and that is really fantastic because it gives you uh, you know a view of medicine that's bigger than just what we do in the NHS yeah seeing how medicine works out when you're dealing with people who are living in poverty yeah um, and you've got very few tests and stuff and you have to make decisions yeah that's been really really helpful and also it helps me to understand my patients better yeah because a lot of my patients come from backgrounds in the developing world so yeah. you, you know you, you understand better where what their what their understanding is and where they come from yeah yeah mm. yeah uh, do you find that with having traveled to some countries developing worlds and working in hospitals there are there a lot of decisions that you'd have to make um in let's say in the nhs that you that you wouldn't take into consideration in um, a developing world country or is that um or do they follow the same type of like ethical rules and stuff like that it's uh, yeah it's it's different i think when i what i was aware of there i mean in we're fortunate in the nhs we yeah. just never need to think about money yeah you know if it's a patient needs a test just send them for the test yeah um if they need a drug you just give it whereas working in say in pakistan where you know the patients were really poor coming yeah. in you have to think wait a minute you know do they actually need this x-ray oh, yeah. do they actually need this drug yeah. you know i might give this drug in the, in the nhs but you know over there is that are they going to get value for money for that drug yeah. or is it just you know nice to have yeah. um you also have to make decisions with less certainty because here i mean especially in renal medicine renal yeah. medicine is one of the most kind of academic and technical branches of medicine so yeah. we just keep doing tests until we know what's wrong with someone <laughs> yeah out there you don't have the tests so you say i think it might be this but i'm not 100 percent sure sure. well are you going to treat that yeah (laughs) you know so you make completely different decisions you know a lot more goes on your judgment Mm. here we here we've got the luxury of doing lots more tests Um, yeah a lot more is on your judgment and you've got to think you know what would happen if i do what would happen if i don't yeah that's good yeah yeah Yeah, it's a different style it's a totally different thing in many ways but yeah 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 so i always just wanted to travel anyways but like i I think time would be the Mm. like the most important like barrier of setback yeah because i I guess medicine would literally take up most of your time anyway so yeah would do you have the time to be able to like travel to other countries maybe volunteer or just so there's there's different times when you can do it so most i mean when you're at university anyway you've got quite long summer holidays yeah Yeah. um generally much longer even than when you're at school yeah um so when i was at the end of my sort of my first year or second year i went for six weeks to to botswana in southern africa yeah and so you can do it during kind of university holidays summer holidays Mm-hmm. Um, 
most medical, well, all medical schools encourage you to take an elective, yeah. which is a period usually right at the end of medical school, um, where you can do it in anything. You can do it locally and just do it in a specialty that you're interested in. You know, you want to be yeah. a brain surgeon. I mean, yeah. you could go and do brain surgery. <laughs> you could go and do brain surgery in New York or something yeah. if you want to. Yeah. You, you can stay locally, you can travel. But, but it's a good opportunity, if you can, I think, to go to somewhere very different, yeah. to see something completely different. And then um, there are opportunities. You know, medicine can be a bit like a conveyor belt. Yeah. But increasingly, people are stepping off for a year and doing something yeah. else. Yeah. So lots. When I was, when I was, when I kind of graduated, I just did my F1, F2, then I got straight into call medical training, and then I became a renal registrar. Yeah. Nowadays, a lot of people are doing F1, F2, and then they're stopping for a bit, and they're taking a year off, Good and they're doing oh. a few shifts, to make money, and then they're yeah. travelling or whatever. So there's lots of opportunities to to do that. Yeah, almost everybody now seems to step off after after F two and take a year or two to just yeah. like explore their dreams or whatever. Yeah, yeah. that's um, nice. Oh, okay. And for the students and people tuning in today who may not know what a renal doctor does, can you explain more about your role? Yeah, certainly. So, yes, yeah, so I'm a renal doctor or a nephrologist. Yeah. Um. So I there's three big kind of types of patient that I see. I see patients with kidney disease. Yeah. Um, so often kidney disease doesn't really cause many symptoms, but you might be seeing them in clinic just keeping an eye. They might have changes in their urine, so there might be lots of protein coming in their urine. Yeah. Have high blood pressure, and you're trying to slow down that process. their kidney getting worse. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Exactly. So that's that's one side of it is kidney disease. And some you know, some quite rare and interesting diseases affect the kidney. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're trying to work out what's happening. If someone's kidney tests are getting worse really quickly, you might do a biopsy yeah. to take a little piece of their kidney and look at it under the microscope and work out, you know, what's going on. So that's quite interesting, yeah. the, the diagnosis side. Then the second big bit is dialysis. Mm, um, yeah. So I... I look after a dialysis unit at uh, my hospital where I have uh, 90 patients mm. and they come up uh, mm. Monday, Wednesday and Friday and they're connected to a dialysis machine for four hours wow. each of those days because it's a big, you know, it's a big part of their life yeah. um, and some of them are fine, some of them are young and healthy and they're just waiting to get a kidney transplant yeah. but others of them are quite frail, you yeah. know, often you look at their problem list on their letter and there's like 20 things, wow. <laughs> you know, they've got heart disease, they've got diabetes, they've had a leg amputated, they've oh. got this, 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 this. So, you know, trying to balance all of those different medical problems is yeah. quite challenging. Yeah. So, so that's, that's the second bit is, so kidney disease, dialysis, and then the final bit is transplant. Yeah. Um, so at the hospital I work at, we do somewhere between 150 and 200 transplants a year. Wow. Um, we've got transplant surgeons who yeah, do the operation, um, and then I will be on the on the nephrology side, yeah. kind of looking after them after the operation and for the years to come. Okay. Um, okay. And it's quite that's kind of medicine is quite interesting because yeah. you're trying to balance. If someone's had a kidney transplant, you're trying to give them enough immunosuppression, yeah, so their immune system doesn't destroy the kidney. Yeah. But not too much immunosuppression, so they start getting infections. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. that that's the big kind of balance in transplants. Yeah. Too much immunosuppression, then they start getting horrible infections. Yeah. If you don't give them enough, then their kidney starts to reject. So it's quite yeah. a difficult balance. And yeah. you know, you need to know a bit of science, a bit of infectious diseases, Ooh. a bit of immunology. That's what I'm going to um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and, and then you work with patients and you're yeah. trying to persuade them and some of them don't want to do what you don't want to do what you tell them to so you know that's a yeah that's a, yeah so yeah so i really enjoyed my job but it's those three bits kidney disease dialysis and transplants yeah wow impressive very yeah detailed as well wow okay <laughs> Um, what is the difference between a doctor in the medical field and a doctor with a PhD? A doctor in the medical field and the doctor with a PhD? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, so a medical doctor would, would generally not have a PhD. Yeah. Like some yes. of us do. Yeah. Um, so, you know, some, a, a small proportion of medical doctors would do PhDs. Yeah. So, you know, just like 5% or something like that. Yeah. And it tends to be people who are interested in doing some research alongside their job. So I've just finished a PhD where I was looking at (laughs) understanding kidney disease in in rats. Oh, wow. (laughs) Using using rats with kidney disease to understand more about human kidney disease. So so I took time out of my medicine in order to do that. And I went back to be basically a scientist to learn those those skills. Um, But, you know, medicine is based on medical science. And so you get lots of people who are not not doctors in the sense that they don't treat patients, yeah. but they do like yeah. a science degree. Yeah. So maybe they do biology or physiology or something at university. Yeah. And then they, and then, you know, then there's the opportunity to do a PhD and then to become a researcher in those fields. So like in our research group, we've got three, four, five scientists who are not doctors, but yeah. they're studying kidney disease. Um, and they'll be experts in kind of the cells that build the kidney. Mm. So they understand how these cells work and they're trying to understand, you know, how we can keep how, yeah. healthy on a cellular level. Yeah. But they, they're not doctors. And then, um, and then most doctors don't do PhD and then you get a few of us who kind of do both. Yeah. And the idea is, there's, there's this idea of translational medicine uh-huh, okay. where you can take stuff from the from the science bench and then yeah. bring it to clinical trials yeah um and then go back say we've got this problem in patients let's understand it let's go back to Medical look at the basics yeah. so yeah okay so our next question is we all know that a panacotta a panoramic <laughs> sorry a <laughs> pandemic has been going on for the past three years what was your schedule like was it hectic yeah so i i mean it all struck while i was in while i was doing research yeah, yeah. um so I got pulled back. You remember the, there was the first peak, which was really yeah. bad, and then there was the second peak, which is even yeah. worse. Yeah. And during both of them, I had to come back out of research to yeah. be a full-time doctor again. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it was pretty bad, I would say. Um, I remember in the first peak, it was really scary because we didn't know how bad it was going to be. And I remember I got sent to... Um, kind of a hospital out your way which yeah. hospital yeah <laughs> my mum works there. and then I got I got put as medical registrar there yeah. and I remember one night just you know every bed in A&E was wow. filled with people with Covid on oh, wow. maximum oxygen and the alarms were going off the low pressure oxygen alarms saying oh, wow. the hospital's about to run out of oxygen oh <laughs> just wow. going that's so rude yeah um so it was quite um it was quite bad and you know you saw a lot of people die yeah. and younger people as well yeah. and then in the in the second peak which was kind of the following winter yeah. the winter of what 2021 yeah. first bit of 2021 was um was really bad i think that was worse than the first peak yeah. and just loads of sick people and i was at the royal london hospital for that yeah and um you know the, the royal london opened up this 
150-bed intensive care unit. Wow. I've never seen anything like it. Wow. And um, they were really struggling. So I actually did a few shifts as a nurse on wow. the, on that unit because they, they didn't need so much doctors, they need nurses. So I did yeah. some nursing, which I wasn't trained for. And, yeah. you know, I was trying to <laughs> learn from the other nurses. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it was a good, you know, in a sense, it was a good experience to help out. And everyone was so committed to doing what was best for the patients yeah um but it was pretty sad to see a lot of people very sick and dying yeah yeah it's a very hard time for quite a lot of people yeah yeah, yeah. so uh now we know that you play an instrument are there any other hobbies that you like to pursue well now my hobbies i've got four children so <laughs> yeah gotta make them behave and go to school and <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Do any of them want to follow in your footsteps as a doctor? Yeah, one of my sons is very keen to be a doctor. Ooh, yeah, that's that's nice. Nice. He's, uh, he's 11, so I'm encouraging him. Yeah, he's, he's very keen. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. There's lots of other good jobs out there, but yeah. you know, if, you're, if you're keen and enthusiastic, just go for it. Yeah. Best advice. That's <laughs> best advice, yeah. Okay, so you've met a lot of people and endured many tough situations. So what do you think has been your most difficult case so far? Um, I think it's interesting. You get some cases that are academically challenging. You know, yeah. thinking, what's going on with this patient? We've just had one that I was looking after on the ward a couple of weeks ago, and yeah. they've got disease in lots of different bits of their body, and they're thinking, oh, what's linking all of this together? Yeah. And I looked at it for ages, I couldn't really work it out. No one's really worked it out. You yeah. know, something's happened, and we're not exactly sure, and you're trying to make sensible decisions. So you get those ones which are, which are really interesting from a yeah. kind of scientific point of view mm-hmm. but you also get um situations which are really challenging from a kind of a a moral or an ethical oh, point of view yeah. so we had had a young guy recently who needed to have dialysis yeah would die without dialysis and yet he was completely refusing to let oh. us give him dialysis Oh, wow. He was, yeah. he was young, he was about my age. And yeah. I'm not as young as you, but you know, I'm, I'm not old. I think he was in his 30s. Yeah. Um, and he was refusing dialysis. So, what do you do yeah, what in do you that, do that situation? situation? Yeah. Do you respect his view? Yeah. Or do you say, actually, there's something not right here? And, yeah. um, and we were worried that his kidney disease was impacting his ability to think clearly. So, there's yeah. a process you go through. Um, you know, like a capacity assessment. We were trying yeah. to work out if he had mental capacity. And we felt that, you know, although he was quite smart and he was giving answers to all of our questions, he wasn't crazy. Yeah. But we felt that his that his brain function was a bit impaired because by of, his yeah. kidney disease. Yeah. So in the end, and we, you know, we got two or three different opinions from different doctors. We got a psychiatrist to come and see him. Yeah, that's always good. Yeah. Uh, and in the end, we felt that we needed to treat him, but we couldn't just let him die. Yeah. Um, and, and and so in the end we went through a legal avenue and ended up in court um, yeah, wow. to try to kind of and you know in, in the end we gave him dialysis and he, he got better as a result of that yeah um so you know thank god for that you know yeah. his life's been saved in a sense um but that's a kind of completely different type of challenge yeah but it's very interesting negotiating yeah. those yeah
Uh, next question is kind of actually related to what you were just talking about, yeah. so ethical uh, dilemmas. So there are yeah. people from different religions or beliefs that don't allow them to seek medical attention, like Jehovah's Witnesses. They yeah. don't allow you to, you know, do blood transfusions. Um, so even if they desperately need it, so how do you approach this situation? Would you find like a loophole and adjust yeah. to that? Or? You know, under UK law, you have an absolute right to refuse yeah, medical treatment, yeah, yeah. assuming you have mental capacity. Yeah. So if, if someone like a Jehovah's Witness doesn't want to have blood transfusion, then you don't yeah. you don't yeah, give them one, and that yeah. really it's pretty sad and it's pretty awful. Yeah. Um, but you know, patients have the right to refuse treatment. Um, I remember once where we were treating a guy who was a Jehovah's Witness, but he had quite a lot of learning difficulties. Yeah. So it wasn't really clear how much he understood that. Yeah. And in those situations, sometimes you actually have to say, I don't think he has made this decision. And again, you go through the same process of yeah. assessing mental capacity. Yeah. So you have to be very careful to make sure that people understand yeah. what decisions they're making. Yeah. Yeah. But if people do, and if they have a have a clear view then you have to respect that yeah. because actually we're not we're not here to control people, people we're here to yeah, help definitely. and if yeah. people make their choice then yeah. they have a right to do that okay so as a doctor you'd obviously know about zebra diseases which is when you'd see a patient presenting with a rare disease instead of your common go-to ones are there any zebra diseases out there in the field of renal medicine or is it usually easy to diagnose someone Renal medicine is full of zebra diseases, yeah. and that's why it's such an interesting area of work. So, and almost, I think, as as uh, kidney doctors, we're always we're always ready for something unusual yeah. because there's a lot of unusual diseases come our way. I, I saw a guy last week in clinic who had been on a kind of funny drug, and then his kidneys had become damaged, and he was leaking lots of protein and so on. Yeah. So yeah. I sent him for a kidney biopsy. Yeah. Um, which he had on. Um, yesterday and then we have each week we have a what's called a biopsy meeting where yeah. we all meet together in a room and we've got a big screen at the front yeah and the microscope slide is broadcast onto the screen oh, wow. okay. and so we we look at the kidneys we you know we physically do this as doctors we have a <laughs> we have a pathologist there who's the expert yeah and they talk us through it but we as doctors we want to see what's going on in the kidney yeah and <laughs> um, and then that helps us make make decisions. We have some that where even on the even on the, the microscopy you can't tell. So then you put all different stains and colours yeah. onto it to try to bring out different features of the biopsy. Yeah. And then we even send it for electron microscopy. Oh wow! <laughs> you know, really small. Yeah. Um, to work out exactly what's going on. So yeah, we're we're full of rare diseases in renal. We love that kind of thing. <laughs> it makes medicine interesting. Though. Yeah, it yeah. makes it very interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, who has inspired you during your career, or more specifically, who is your role model? That's a good question. Um, I think I think you get some people who impress you with their clinical ability. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got one boss at the moment who just knows everything. Wow. You know, he, he's so smart. Yeah. Um, and I take a lot from him. You know, that's very inspiring and a really clear thinker. Yeah. Um, I think the people I take most from is the people who treat, treat patients well actually because I think yeah. if you're smart or you're not smart that's nothing you know that's yeah. from God isn't it whether you've got a, a, a quick brain or a yeah, slower or brain yeah. but how you treat other people is is far more important I yeah. think and I've got 
I've got one colleague at the moment, and every time he sees a patient, he goes in. Every single patient, even the most difficult, you know, Aww. argumentative patient, he goes in and goes, how nice to see you. Aww, <laughs> the energy, yeah. yeah. Let us help you with that. Any problem, let us help you. Let us solve that. Yeah. And, you know, that's everything serious. you ask him, the answer is yes, and then we work out how we're going to do it. Yeah. Um, and that's that's very inspiring, actually, Aww. not to be grumpy and fed up and yeah. <laughs> moany, but actually to be, to be positive and yeah. to be trying to help people. Oh, I hope I can be like a doctor like that one day. <laughs> I'll bring the energy. <laughs> they might tell me to quiet down a bit. But yeah. Okay. So, uh, you must have an extensive knowledge of all types of kidney diseases. So this is just an, ex- an opportunity for you to tell us. <laughs> so do you have, walk us through a disease that you know the most about. So, yeah, so I guess kidney disease, um, uh, lots of it is caused by diabetes. Ah, okay. So we have, so especially around here, there's very high levels of diabetes, yeah. particularly in the South Asian population around here. We've got lots of Bangladeshi people and Pakistani people, yeah. and they often have diabetes. So we see lots and lots of diabetic disease. Yeah. Um, we also see a lot of um, high blood pressure causing kidney disease. There's some genes that are more common in the in the black population yeah. that cause kin that cause high blood pressure and then mm. um, kidney disease. So yeah. we see a lot of that locally. Yeah. Um, and then you get other kidney diseases caused by the kidneys getting blocked, you know, where they drain down into the mm. bladder yeah. through the Yeah. Um, and then, but I suppose the ones that we're most interested in is the fun immunological ones. So yeah. there's lots of different ways in which your immune system can harm your kidneys. Yeah. And again, this is where the zebras come in. You know, you can chase it down. You know, yeah. you know, the, you know, there's something going on, but then you do more and more tests and yeah. take and a biopsy and look at the electron microscopy and you'll, you'll actually see the, the antibodies and complement proteins and stuff depositing in the kidneys. Ooh, um, yeah. So that's where yeah. so that, that kind of immunological yeah. kidney disease we find very interesting as nephrologists. Yeah. Ooh. And our final, final question is, what's next for Dr. Randall? Well, I've only just become a consultant, so Ooh. I sort of need to get my feet under the table and yeah. learn what I'm doing as a consultant. So that's the big thing. But I, I'm looking to um, build kind of a research program here because my, yeah. my job is mostly medicine, but it's got a bit of research in it as well. Yeah. Um, so getting together, applying for some funding, yeah. Um, to continue a research program and then starting to do some clinical trials Ooh. of things that might make patients' lives better who have kidney kidney disease. Yeah. But there's a lot that needs to go into that. So you know, you yeah. need money, you need people, you need a whole setup. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's my next kind of big goal is to yeah. set up a bit of a research program here. Ooh. Maybe by the time you do that, we'll be qualified doctors who <laughs> can come and help. <laughs> you, know, you can come and be my PhD student. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, it was a pleasure interviewing you today, Dr. Randall. Thank you very much for coming on the so show. Much. Honestly, we learned so much today. And yeah. yeah, it was amazing hearing your stories and all that you know and just gaining a bit of knowledge from you and just finding out what it is like to be yeah. in a, a doctor. Um, is there anything you'd like to ask us? No, I think just to say, you know, congratulations on what you're doing. I think Thank it's a fantastic you. idea. I would have listened to this podcast if I was uh, 16 or 17. <laughs> <laughs> So good for you, and I wish you all the very best for your application. Thank you. Thank you very much. So this was our episode, ladies and gentlemen. I was your host, Brenda. And I was your host, Cece. Welcome (laughs) to Medicine Medicine. Bye. Bye.